All right. The red light is on. Uh, it's a little bit different this time. Uh, I'm not Blake, but our guy Jonathan is definitely uh, in the co-host seat. What's up, Jonathan? How you doing, brother? Doing good. Lots of great fights tonight. The uh, entire card delivered. One of those nights where top to bottom, it was an absolutely fun night. I just had my buddy here. We He just left. Uh, him and his kiddos were here hanging out with my kids. We're watching the fights. And I literally said that to him walking out. I'm like, hey, I know John Jones was the main event. I know that Grasso moment was awesome. Literally fight, though. Just moment, just the minutes in the cage. This card was better than last week's. It was a better fight night card. Yeah, it was more complete. Like you said, top to bottom. Um you know, last last week's definitely had its moments, right? You talk about the return of John Jones, right? The yeah. shock of the world by Alexa Grasso. But tonight you had, like you said, top to bottom. There were undercard fights. Like uh, I think it was uh, Fitzgerald that said it uh, that it was a showcase for 135 almost, and there were a lot of 135 yeah. pound fights, and it showcased the depth of the division and how ex you know how exciting those fights can be, how exciting like, the grappling exchanges can be with those guys. So it was a really fun night, top to bottom. We even had some heavyweight action as well. Um, fun, fun fight from the from the co-main event. Uh, even before that, which was supposed to be a main event with Ryan yes. Stan and Krilov, they didn't waste that promo and decided to use it before. Um, so it was a good night, top to bottom, like you said. For sure. And guys, if you're watching, uh, appreciate it. if you have any questions, any comments, just dive right into the uh, the chat. We'll definitely kind of shout you guys out throughout the whole night. But let's kind of get into it. I always say, um, you know, Blake's been hosting it, been killing it. And uh, the one thing I always said to him, though, in the first couple episodes that I watched and listened from you guys, I'm like, dude, don't start from the bottom. Like, let's start from the top. Let's be Drake. We're at the top now. Let's start here. Let's talk about it. And then let's work our way down. Because the diehards, they're going to listen to the whole hour of the show. But for the, the casuals, we're gonna, they're going to listen to the first 10 minutes. Let's give Marab the love he absolutely deserves. Nine wins in a row, 49 takedown attempts, defeating the – I. it was wild he was that high of an underdog. But even myself, I'll be brutally honest with you guys, I usually am. I had Peter Young winning this fight. I just thought he was the better fighter. I thought he was going to definitely mix it up striking-wise. I thought he was going to defend the takedowns enough and beat Marab standing. I was dead wrong. Marab is the man. He deserves the credit. There you go. Take it away. I, I Marab deserves whatever he gets next. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, um, obviously, it's now it sets up a little bit of a question because with him and uh, the current champion, Aljamain Sterling, they don't want to fight each other being from the same, same camp. Um, obviously, Aljo was in the corner tonight, which I do think plays in a little bit to the psyche uh, that they had. And you can see that the corner played an excellent role in making sure Marab's game. By the way, John, what a great corner. One of the greatest corners of all time. Aljamain Sterling, Matt Serra, Ray Longo, and John Wood. Are you kidding me? One of the greatest corners ever. And it absolutely delivered, right? They shut out Peter Young. They shut out a former two-time champion who has made others crumble before him and the Peter Young that we saw before that we heard of before or was seen before with him downloading the information in the first couple of rounds uh, appreciate Javier Mancilla saying Sterling isn't going to go up and wait appreciate you joining us uh, live with us that's a good take I go think ahead. he is I think he will Sterling He's a big boy you ready for this one like I love doing this Jonathan I'm sorry to interrupt you my man I'm sorry but I just I love when fights that we have no idea is going to happen like if you would have said eight months ago that Makhlchev Volkanovski was going to be a fight, we'd be like, dude, that's crazy. You ready for this one, guys? I'm saying it right now. The end of this year or the early of 2024, one of the biggest fights in UFC, Aljamain Sterling, Alexander Volkanovski. Get ready for that. Get ready for that in the featherweight division. It's happening. And that's two excellent, uh, well-rounded guys, right? You have Insane. a great – so it's going to be a fun matchup if we do see that happen. Like you said, it moves up, and we saw how big – Aljamain Sterling is. We saw him with that picture next to Connor. Connor right yeah. now is, you know, going to be fighting fighting at 170. So he's probably around 180 something. We know Aljamain Sterling has to cut a lot of weight, but he does it like a true pro and makes it every time. But getting back to tonight's fight, right? What we saw is Marab just go ahead and give the full pressure the entire time. It was almost like a mini Colby Covington for the grappling, right? Wow. It was just oh. essentially just getting in front of Peter the entire time, overwhelming him, even landing a good amount of strikes and. He didn't attempt all the takedowns to get the takedowns. He attempted a lot of them just to keep Peter thinking the entire time. 
And what he did sometimes was he would feint the takedown. And once Peter would try to drop the hands to try to dig the underhooks to get him back up, he would hit him with exactly that elbow or he would hit him with that left, the really good jab or left hand, which actually started yeah. to swell the eye of Peter Yan as well. So I think the game plan was excellent by Marab. The gas tank, my goodness, the machine is an absolutely perfect nickname for him because he just keeps going in for five rounds straight. Like you said, broke the record for the amount of takedowns attempted in the UFC fight. If you watch tonight, you did get to watch history. 49 attempts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. By Marab Valishvili with, you know, it's only, you know, not only, but six and a half minutes of control time, which is, which isn't as much top control as you'd expect him to have. But he right. had a lot of, you know, he controlled the octagon the entire time. He was the one who was controlling where the fight was going to be. And there was also an excellent calf kick landed in that second round that really shook things up. So excellent game plan by Marab, excellent um, application of that game plan. And he was now shut up, uh, Peter Young. Uh, crazy that you said that. I don't know how much of a fan of a Chael P. Sonnen fan you are. Uh, listen to his stuff all the time, watch his stuff. He talks about one of the most underrated, and I do think it's one of the most underrated parts of mixed martial artists. Like they always have those boxes. And it's like, who's a better striker? Who's a better, you know, submission guy? Cardio is probably the most underrated tact, the most underrated toolbox uh, for any MMA uh, fighter and, of course, an MMA fight. And there wasn't anything wrong, I don't think, with Yawns. I don't think Yawn was uh, gas. I think Ryan Spawn was gas at the end, halfway through first round. He wasn't gas. But Marab's cardio was at A-plus literally with three minutes left in the fifth round. It never He never stopped. And when you can fight at that level, when you can fight, uh, I don't know if you're an NBA Jam fan and you hit that button, you boost up. If you can do that the whole game, you're unbeatable. You're in flago. So Marab is just, he has something that other fighters do not have. And once uh, once Aljamain Sterling goes up, right? Keep calm, Rosa. Appreciate you joining us with the, with the space bar comment there. Um, Blake Schneider is my man. Appreciate you. Waste waking, Blake. Jan didn't look like Jan. Marab him all sorts of sideways. Appreciate you joining us live, even though you couldn't be here with us, brother. We miss you. Uh, Marab did have him all looking sort of sideways. So now you have to think, right? Marab is dominating this division right now. Whoever yeah. they give him next, he's probably going to dominate as well. Um, not sure if that's going to be um, Sean O'Malley or who's going to be next for him, right? But now you have to think if Aljamain Sterling goes up in weight or when he goes up in weight, this is going to be Marab's division for a while. But the question mark is if Cejudo wins, now Marab versus Cejudo becomes a possibility. So there a couple go, things John. that could happen there. Yeah, we. This is this is probably. I'm sorry, guys. I know we want to give Jonathan Martinez his love. I know we want to give Alexander Volkov his love and Kry, uh, Krylov his love. I get it. But we could talk about Marab for an hour and still have more to get into. Let's just kind of open up that can of worms. One, if Aljo, that would be great. Javier, that would be great. Um, if Aljo wins, to me, it just makes perfect sense. If they they're already kind of setting up uh, Aljo and and uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. And that means the winner of Cheeto and Corey, I get that. Like, that's an awesome fight. Marab versus just say Cheeto Vera. That's a main event. I love it. That's cool. That can be a co-main event of a pay-per-view. I'm down with that. But if Henry Cejudo wins, I know everyone right away think it's going to be Henry and Sugar Sean O'Malley. I don't know. I have a weird feeling if if Henry wins, I think Marab can just, like, skip over him. I think, like, just the bad blood, he can be there. There's something in the audit. Something can happen. And tell me this. If Marlon wins, Tell me the UFC might not be like, hey, guys, we might have this Marlon Sugar Sean O'Malley thing. We got this Marab Henry Cejudo thing a lot of different ways. It can go a lot of different ways. I know people are thinking it's going to go Cejudo uh, to uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. I'm not sure about that. So there's a lot of things. Yeah, 
and that's that's June, right? Or that's May. May is Cejudo and Sterling. It's crazy how many different things can happen in this division. We're two weeks away from San Hagen and, and Marlon Vera, and that's a big fight because if Marlon Vera wins, that sets up him and Sugar Sean O'Malley right away. If Corey Sanhagen wins, Corey can fight Aljo again because that ended up kind of crazy. Corey versus Cejudo is a fresh matchup. Corey versus Marab's a fresh matchup. And then Marlon goes back and, you know, that can go. So a couple big things. So, you know, we got to see who wins in two weeks. And the Cejudo Sterling, of course, is for the championship. That sets up for the rest of the division. And with that being said, right now, real quick, you don't have to go seven minutes into it. Cejudo Sterling, who do you got? Cejudo versus Sterling. Um, I'm going to take Sterling, right? I, I do. I, I, I think that we saw him mature in that time period where he had to recover from that, you know, that grounded, like grounded knockout, right? And right. once he came back and once we saw what he did to Peter Jan, I think the mental aspect of the game was solidified for him. Because for him, when he became the champion the way he did, it wasn't him actually getting crowned the way he wanted to, or maybe, the, you know, a definitive type way. But for him to develop, defend the belt the way he did really proved that he was a champion. And now he's on that more high. And on top of that, the skill set's insane, right? When he takes your back, right, he's not giving it up. And this is going to be a grappler's delight because you're going to see two guys um, that are really very more well-versed at, at, you know, defending takedowns and being able to stay on the feet or trying to switch positions or, you know, trying to get on back on top. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I do give a slight edge uh, to Aljamain Sterling. My only thing is with all these people retiring and coming back, I'm not sure if there's, you know, I'm not accusing anything, but with PEDs and I know the way that works and how it is, it's like, it's all, it's all very curious why people retire, leave the USADA pool and then come back, you know? So, yeah, sure. you know, very interesting, uh, just, you know, a little maybe tidbit that could happen. And, and real quick, and one fight you didn't mention there was when Sterling defeated TJ Dillashaw. And I know maybe Dillashaw was hurt and it was got, looks like he got hurt. It was hurting the camp. It got hurt during the Sterling fight. That gives him such a boost of confidence. Like he defeated arguably, you know, maybe the greatest fighter in that division's history, or at least top two, top three. So like his, his confidence is cloud nine right now. And I just think, him and Cejudo, I know, you know, let's give Marab his credit. I do want to get back to Marab a second, but I just think the momentum of Sterling's is camp in Sterling's uh, in New Jersey. I just think there's just too much positive mojo momentum for Aljo to lose to Henry Cejudo. Um, you know, last thing was Sterling, and we'll kind of bridge back with Marab. And I know they said they're brothers, and I totally get it. But is there a time in life, John, and it's like, hey, dude, I, I, I even we're nowhere near maybe as close as Marab and as Aljo. But I think you, I have your back, and I think you got my back and everything in between. But if a case happens and ESPN calls you and they give you a you know once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I would be happy for you to you take that opportunity. And I know that we would go – you would be on ESPN right now doing the post-fight show instead of doing the post-fight show for us, and we would be battling that time. My point is, in a weird way, I don't think it's right for Aljo to be like not even even entertain the option of like, man, I love you as a brother. You deserve this. You deserve an opportunity for this championship. And if he beats Cejudo and he is staying in the division, I don't think it's right for him to be like, hey, I'm going to go Sugar next. And that means Marab has to wait a year? Really? Like – I think he should give, and it would be cool, Marab versus Sterling as a main event for a championship. That would be cool. That would be must-see TV. Yeah, because you'll have the dynamic of the camp, right? Because is one of the are one of the guys going to be switching camps? Are they going to split the camp? How is it going to work? They know each other's game plan really well. Yeah, yeah. How do those training sessions go, right? That's always yeah. the, the – They know who would win. win. They know right now who would win. Exactly. So like you said, though, the thing is – if you have somebody like that, right, where you're, he's your brother, right? You know, you have his back, he has your back. You know when somebody deserves a shot. And you know that at the end of the day, you're not going out to try to do anything negatively to that person. It's competition, right? Obviously, fighting is different, a different level of competition versus a basketball game or versus baseball, right? But at the end of the day, it's still competition. And you want to go out there and compete against the best. And right now, Marab looks... Pretty damn closer, if not the number one contender of the division, once that Cejudo versus Aljamain Sterling fight passes. So I think, like you said, to your point, um, definitely would be a lot of intrigue to that fight. I think if the opportunity arises where that's a main event, you would have such so many different storylines to build up on yeah. it. 
if the UFC did it right, they really could capitalize on a great situation. It would. Um, with that, Marab or Sterling, who wins right now? I'm taking Marab. I think uh, because Sterling is – it showed that, like, okay, he had – the Marab gas tank, you know, for the first round and a half against Peter Yan. Marab had a gas tank that I, that Sterling output in that first round in five rounds. Like, I think that's kind of what the difference was there is the gas tank, right? Peter, or uh, Aljamain Sterling has great, great grappling. He's a good striker as well. Could Dana force that fight? No, I don't think yeah. that he, he could. Yeah, yeah, like, not force it. And it looks like we have our uh, main guy, Blake, coming in in one second. Um, he... Not force it. He would ask him seriously. They'd be like, "Guys, what's up? What are you thinking? You know, you're he is the normal contender. Like he could talk to him and have a, you know, just honest, open conversation and see what's up." All right, our guy Blake is coming. Let's see what he thinks. Blake, what's up, brother? Woo! What's up, boys? How we doing? Oh, baby. Now it's hey, a party. Now it's a party. I was able to check out uh, a little bit of the show. I'm sorry I wasn't there for hosting duties tonight, but. uh had a had kind of a weird timing with the fight and dinner, but I did get to catch the fights because obviously I can't leave the table without having my phone with me. You know how that goes. Um, but no, been watching the show, so I got to see uh, kind of where you guys were at at least for a little while. So uh, no, man, I, and I don't want to break the conversation. So you guys just go ahead, and I'll jump in when I can. All right, yeah, we were just like we were just talking about. Would you like to see Sahud um, Marab versus Sterling? Would you like that matchup? If they were like, "Hey, UFC made it happen. They're the two best in the division." Would you would you see it, or would you be acceptable of them fighting each other? I would love it. Uh, one yes. of the main things on that fight would be because, and this is you know this is something the casuals might not enjoy, but that would be a grappling match that I could not miss. Are you kidding me? Just the absolute overall grappling that we would see. And they might end up counteracting and, and really uh, negating each other. And it could end yeah. up being more striking match than we get to see because when you get such high-level wrestlers and high-level high grapplers, obviously Cejudo, uh, former former medal winner in the Olympics, uh, Mirab, obviously you saw history being broken tonight. Um, yeah. So they could negate each other, but I would love to see just the tacticianness of both of those guys going at it. Whether it was the striking, whether it was the wrestling, I'd hope it was a little bit of everything. Uh, but no, I would love to have that fight. Yeah, I think it would be awesome. It would just be musty TV, the drama of it, the embedded, the the countdown of the camp. Because this is be John Woods in camp. John Wood was in part of that Ford. We just said the greatest corner maybe ever. They're out in Vegas all the time. Honestly, it's it, to me. I think Sterling will go out there to Vegas. Vegas, he would be with John Wood, and Marab would stay back east with Ray Longo and Matt Sarah, and that would just be insane. It would just be musty TV. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Sugar Rashard Evans versus John Bones Jones of around yeah. 10, 12 years ago. So I know we're getting too far of each other. We gave Marab 16, 17 minutes. I think we gave him a lot of the respect. A huge card, a lot of other bantamweight fights, like uh, Jonathan was saying earlier. Saying earlier. Anything else on Marab before I give Volkov and Kyla, uh, you know, Kyla some love? I think it was, like I said, excellent fight for Marab. I think he proved himself as, the, in my opinion, the clear and cut number one contender. I'm curious what the next fight for him will be. And I'm also curious, where does Peter Yon go from here, right? That's also wait, a question we see as well. Wait, wait, there's breaking news. There's there's breaking news. I just got a, uh, you know, I got some PFL connections. Peter Yon's going to the PFL. Breaking news. Hey, I'd love to see it. If, honestly, he would definitely We would love to see it, but guys – I think he's gone. I don't think he ever fights for the UFC again. There's nothing they can do with him. He he's lost too much. He was kind of disgruntled. Remember against the Sugar Sean O'Malley, he thought he won that fight. They gave him another main event fight. He was outclassed. He's lost to Sterling twice. He's lost to Sugar Sean O'Malley. He lost, and I just think Peter Yawn, in a weird way, he's not going to stay around and fight Jonathan Martinez. Like he's not going to fight a guy to come up on uh you know on the prelims he's not that guy i think honestly he's gone i think he's in bellator or the pfl i really do i think i think the big problem was is the sugar sean fight and if anybody anybody who was able to watch that fight obviously we were a lot of people think he got robbed i think you know i don't know how everybody on the panel feels here tonight but um that really screwed with everything that he was kind of trying to do he had the disqualification against uh, uh sterling originally he, during the championship fight, wasn't able to get it. T Sterling got the belt. Okay. Then Sterling still has the belt. Then he goes against fight Sean O'Malley. Okay, you fight Sean. You beat Sean. You get back to the championship. Except they didn't give him the W. 
Sugar Sean got the win. So now he goes up against me, Rob, in, in that entire Sugar Sean fight. And really, I guess you, if you wanted to go back, where Peter Yan's downfall came was the illegal knee, which looked like how, yeah. like for somebody who fought for so long, who should know the rules, that illegal knee is why Yan is here, why he is here today. And then, yeah, you can go back and say, well, really, he should have won the Sean O'Malley fight. Well, he didn't. I, I don't know what to tell you. He didn't based on the scorecard. So, I mean, I'm sorry, based on the, the judging and the scorecard, you know, whatever it is. So that's the reason why he's here today. And it was just an unfortunate kind of fall from grace because it looked like he was one of the most dominant in that entire division. Now Dave's talking about he's not even going to be in the damn division. Like it just is one thing after another. And then me, Rob comes on and puts on such a performance. And I know we've talked about him for 20 minutes, but damn, it's just, there's so many moving pieces to this entire thing. And, right. and that, really, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, uh, Dave. Yon kind of doesn't really have anywhere to go, and he's going to want to make money on good fights, not fighting right. up-and-comers. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, let's go to the co-main and a main event of two weeks ago that became a featured fight here, light heavyweights and then the heavyweights. Volkov looked awesome. I think it was he, he was one of my calls. Like I said, I totally missed. I had Yon beaten uh, Marab in the main event. I missed on that one. I had Volkov the whole week. I think he's one of these underrated everyone thinks he's older than what he really was he's fought the best competitions he's fought in high level main events and not trying to body shame anyone i'm uh, almost a 40 year old man with multiple kids so i don't have the body i used to have when i was in high school but romanov looked he looked bad like he is a professional fighter for a living and i don't know if you guys saw the head the the weigh-in picture literally from his last fight not years ago it wasn't rampage jackson in his last fight at bellator this is him six months ago to now he looked like he did not work out one time, and he looked like that tonight. Um, not trying to be so disrespectful for Romanov, trying to give Volkov his flowers. Uh, I loved it. I thought he looked awesome. He definitely did what he needed to do to win. And I think um, they talked about it afterwards. I love the matchup. Him versus Sarah gone. That's next. Like, that's, that's so obvious. Makes so much sense. Volkov gone. Fight night main event, or just it's part of a pay-per-view. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think tonight, like you said, uh, man, Robinov just did not look good at all. Once Volkov stuffed that first takedown, it almost looked like Romanov was scared. He looked like a deer in headlights. He did not know what to do on the feet. And, and Volkov just looked like he was ready to play with his food and started to go to work. Was able to sprawl off of another takedown attempt, get essentially one of the hooks in, get a side from the back, get the uh, shots in from like under the armpit, bust Romanov yeah, open. Yeah, I love that. Right from under and hit the, those beautiful chin shots, able to get the finish. And it was just like you said, a very clean cut performance by Volkov. And him versus Cyril Gan is a beautiful matchup because you have a guy with great Muay Thai and great movement. And then you have a long, lengthy guy, front kicks, elbows, good submission, good jujitsu as well. Very underrated jujitsu in, in Alexander Volkov, right? So I think it was an excellent performance by him. And I think for Romanov, he needs to kind of to reassess and readjust his game plan a little bit we know how dominant that game the ground game is we know you can get on top and forearm choke people just by being a big body we need to see a little bit more of a stand-up a game and we need to see a little bit more cardio from you like you can't just be that much of a one-dimensional fighter and expect to make it uh to the top 15 and go far it's almost like a gusto sakai but you can't see or have that same just singular game plan and try to make yeah. it to the top but excellent performance by alexander volkov well, the heavyweight division is not what it used to be. It's no longer guys who are just out there who can kill a 30 rack of beer and then come in and throw haymakers because they've been tossing hay bales all day. It is no longer that type of division. We've seen it with guys. Obviously, we've seen it with guys like John Jones now, but you've seen it with guys like Cyril Gaon. You see these other guys like Curtis Blades who have such well-rounded games. They can strike and they can wrestle. That was always the thing with heavyweights is they they – once they went to the ground, nobody wanted to see that. Everybody was like, hey, ref, stop the fight. We'd like to see these guys throw haymakers and, and knock each other out. The game has evolved. The skills have evolved. And one of the things you see tremendously now is, which exposed Cyril Gaon, uh, and we didn't actually, I, I don't think a lot of people took this into account when Gaon fought um, in Ganu. And Ganu's wrestling is not great, but... He laid on top of Gon and was able to control him. Now, he is extremely strong, don't get me wrong. But you have to be able to do something. And so we kind of ignored that because we had we were in such awe of Francis Ngannou. Then John Jones comes in, beats Cyril Gon like it was – I mean, he cut through him like butter. 
So it shows you the evolution of what these heavyweights are going through right now. So Volkov, I would love to see that because now, because he was beaten so bad, and Volkov obviously against Romanov tonight looked great. I mean, I feel like ever since he got knocked out by Derek Lewis in the last seconds of that fight years ago, he has gotten better and better and better in each of his fights. You know, sometimes after you get a knockout like that, it tends to go wrong. Some guys can lose. Uh, they can lose faith in their chin. They can lose strength. They can kind of get a little nervous in some of these fights because they don't trust themselves. Volkov seems to have taken that, eaten it like a pain pill, and just said, keep on throwing them bricks. I'm going to walk right through them. And he looks better every single fight. So now, because the destruction of Cyril gone really was so bad, like, it was bad. That that was, that was, it was impressive on John Jones' fight, but it was bad on Cyril Gons. I would love to see somebody like Volkov come in, give him, give him a a chance to prove, listen, is if he can beat Volkov easily, then Sirogon doesn't really lose, lose as much respect as I think uh, a lot of people might want to take away from him. If he comes in and Volkov and him go five rounds, uh, you know, whatever they make that fight, they go five rounds, three rounds, and it's a decision. And it's not like, you know, it is not just overwhelmingly gone. This could really put gone in, in a position. And really Volkov has nothing, nothing to lose in that scenario. He's like, listen, if if I get my ass kicked, I face the top contender in the entire division. If I go out there and contend with the top contender, I'm automatically jumping up the ranks. Crazy. Um, so it was so funny. So you mentioned that Derek Lewis, so I just looked it up. If that last balls is hot, five second does not happen, and he beats Derek Lewis, he would have won 13 out of 16 UFC heavyweight fights. Like, And guys, who he's, he's literally fighting top 10, top 15 guys the whole time. Uh, yeah. Volkov is one of those guys like you three years from now, two years from now, I'd be like, wow, that's a future UFC hall of famer. Like he just had a hall of fame career without any of us ever knowing. So, uh, congratulations to him. Big win for him. Uh, when you win a co-main event on a really good fight night, like tonight, uh, I think he does, he gets a really high level fight featured fight. Um, Ryan Superman span versus, uh, Nikolai Krolov. Um, that was awesome. Like, I don't know if you guys enjoyed it. That was like one of the best three minutes of the whole night. Up and down, they go eight reversals, nine submission attempts, throwing bombs at each other. Krylov wins the fight, gets his submission uh, three minutes into the fight, somewhere in that nature. Hats off to Krylov. And he was number six in the world, fought someone behind him. He's only got a mega, mega fight in front of him. He was going to be in a main event regardless of this. So the next fight has to be a main event. And Anthony Smith. Um, Ayan Bonhovich, he's got a really big number one contender fight in front of him for a main event. Hats off to Krylov. Like you take it away on this one, bro. Yeah, man. So I was, I was kind of in and out on this fight, but I was able to see, uh, quite a bit of it. The, the thing is, is Nikita Krylov in his last fight came in and he just looked great. I mean, he looked really good in, in being able to, I believe it was Gustafson. Am I correct? Oh, Desmere, and then he fought, and then he beat Gus. So two in a row. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So two in a row. Um. I mean, and somebody like Gustafson who's put on some battles against guys like guys like John Jones, who were those are some some of the most iconic fights you can go back and rewatch, where it's just back and forth and back and forth. He comes in and does what he does against him. Comes into here, and Ryan Span is no joke. I mean, Ryan Span, like you said, those guys were rolling around back and forth. You never really knew who was gonna. Uh, officially take over the fight. And then Krylov was just able to go ahead and say, you know what? Enough of these silly childish games we play. I'm going to come in and finish it. Was able to get the sub. Krylov, man, moving up, like you said, Dave, will definitely be a main event for his next fight. So we better start getting that. I don't think cardio is going to be a, a real issue for him. Better start getting in shape for five rounds, baby. Yeah, I mean, to add on to the point, I mean, this, the fight was crazy, right? To your point, so Dave, good. So excellent good. three minutes. You had Ryan Span, Anaconda attempt, guillotine attempt, and then you had him get, you know, actually have Krylov on his back and then go for a punch. Krylov catches the punch and then catches him in a triangle and pulls down on the triangle and calls it a day. And what a appling exchange from two light heavyweights. Like, that's such a delight to see uh, that this division also is starting to evolve, right? We see that the lighter divisions and maybe the, you know, divisions that aren't as heavy are able to do these type of grappling exchanges, but we're now starting to see it in the heavier divisions, and it's a delight to see, and I loved what I saw tonight. It was an excellent fight. Who, who do you want to see next with Krylov, John? Ooh. Oof, like you said, a, a number one contender fight or, or something like that is definitely something uh, 
that's probably best for him because that's what he deserves, right? He's continuously beaten guys, not only beaten them, but dominantly, right? That's what you want to see in, in these UFC fights is that's what separates true contenders from maybe guys that are just almost on their way up or working their way up. Like we saw Shavkat have a little bit of, not troubles, but we saw maybe some cracks in the armor that have maybe brought him down to earth a little bit, right? We're not seeing that with Krilov at all. He deserves a close, or he deserves to get uh, a really high ranked contender. So um, in the last six years, he's got three losses. Let me see if you guys ever heard of these guys he lost to. Uh, Jan Bonhovich, uh, Glover Deshera, and Megamon and Kaliev. Pretty good damn losses. These are in, these are the best losses you can have. So I think him versus Anthony Smith or him versus Jan in a rematch, because I think Jan's going to uh, – Enkeliev's going to move up if Hill and Yeri doesn't fight soon. I think they will do Hill versus Enkeliev. And uh, I think Jan's out there to fight anyone. So I think Jan versus uh, Krylov, you know, June, you know, give me a June fight night main event. I, but then I, Vegas, I love it. Yeah, yeah I, um, I'm definitely on the Jan train for that one. I, I just think, one, you're going to get a good run back. It's going to be a, a redemption level for Krylov, who, who looks great right now. Jan Blahowitz, obviously, he is who he is, former champion. And you're going to be able to see, hey, is he able to? Are these two able to find, like John mentioned, the 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 chinks in the armor, the cracks in the armor, whatever it is? I think. I mean, Anthony Smith. The problem with Anthony Smith is, I feel like the UFC just they constantly they they just kind of screw him out of things, man. Like he he was deserving of some fights, and they kind of passed over him. And and I get it. There's some fights he's had that are a little boring, but the guy's you know he's a number five fighter. Um, but no, I would love to see the jump up to, to Blahowitz because if he beats Blahowitz, it's on, it's now, it is now a, I mean, the, the division itself already in the top 10 is nice, but if you look at those top four, top five guys, Rakic, Smith, Blahowitz, Ankaliyev, and uh, Jiri, you know, obviously Jiri's got his issues and whatnot, but, um, no, it's, I mean, I, I like the rematch aspect of it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Maybe the fight of the night, uh, very cool fight in an upset. Uh, just, it was really cool. It was a good moment back and forth war almost had a finish by both men in different rounds. So I love that Jonathan Martinez beats her Nurmagomedov. Like yeah. I, I never thought that could happen. These guys never lose. I saw, you know, all these media MMA media accounts were putting 62 and 0 on stuff last night. Cause uh, his uh, cousin, brother, uncle won in Bellator. They got an out now guys um, in, in crazy. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a great fight. I was not sure. Uh, when the judges were going to call that fight, I was 50-50 either way. And one of those, I don't think you could be upset either way. It's, of course, no robbery by any means. But I was genuinely happy when they called Jonathan Martinez. I don't know if you saw him right away. You saw his face almost go into tears. What a moment. What a fight. 15 minutes of just pure, excellent stand-up and grapple and submission attempts. Great, great bantamweight fight. A huge fight on deck now for Jonathan Martinez on deck. Insane. John, take it away. I thought it was in a great fight. Yeah, I mean, like you said, man, what a fight just overall, top to bottom. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov isn't your typical Dagestani fighter. He's a very kick-heavy fighter where he'll throw a lot of different, you know, type of kicks. And that's what he was doing early. And in that first round where he won, he was able to, you know, get those kicks off. And he was able to get Jonathan Martinez, Martinez not in one, but two rear rear naked chokes attempts. And Martinez was actually able to fight out of it, get out of there, and he was able to get back in the feet. And that second round, Martinez really started to put the pressure on and get to that clinch, get those knees to the body, those knees to the thighs, and really work that clinch. And you saw uh, Saeed start to gas out a little bit, and he was throwing some spinning stuff. And shout out to Martinez for lasting, because there was a couple of those spinning attacks that Saeed landed that I thought really could have landed. But there was also, towards the end of the second round, an excellent spinning back kick that, or a spinning heel kick almost that landed on Saeed. That was really nice as well. One of the elbows inside by Martinez was actually talked about potentially clipping, breaking the nose of Saeed and causing some breathing issues. So that was a you know potential you know intrigue story going into the third. Now in the third round, Martinez slips or gets knocked down. Saeed ends up on top with about two minutes to go. Martinez gets back up, was able to get up against the fence, really get some, you know, nice clinch knee clinches and uh, uh, clinch knees, right? And then you said that was really now was the intrigue. What happens? Who wins the fight? Because Saeed didn't really get that much damage from top. Maybe you can see 
you know, that's why Martinez got the one because when the fight got stood back up, even though it was just in the clinch, he was able to get those uh, elbows in. And he also got that armbar attempt in from the bottom that was close as well. So I thought Martinez deserved the victory. I thought he had the more um, damaging or threatening moments in that third round. So I do think he deserved the nod. Not a robbery by me either way uh, for neither fighter. Uh, but what a, what a performance by Jonathan Martinez. And one second, Blake, one second. Um, Take it away. F, F. John Jr. Zoclavia said something to us. So if there's kids out there listening, if you're in the car, you're watching this, ear muscle the kids. No, John. Fuck you, F. John Jr. Zoclavius. Here at Fight Finesse, we don't take no crap for nothing. John F. R. Zavius, fuck you. All right? And we got two words. Suck it. Suck it. All right, Blake, take it away, man. No one says that to us on Fight Finesse, bro. We don't take <laughs> hey. no one. This is it. We we are professional, but we're not pushovers. So you can suck it, John F. Um, no, I mean, I, I really can't break it down any better than John just did. Um, when I saw um, uh, Saeed get him in the headlock, or I'm sorry, in the guillotine for a minute with the rear naked choke, yeah. I thought it could be over for a second. Obviously, Martinez had the will, skill, and and tried true hard to get out of that. And I was I was a little worried there. And again, this was I was kind of pulling double duty, watching fights and trying to be uh, attentive at a at a dinner that I was supposed to be at. So um, this was one of those I didn't get to see a lot of, but I did see the moment that he did that. I got to see obviously the end, the decision card, and then the the pure emotion from Martinez. Just when he knew that he got that win, when he got that dub. It, it, I mean, I almost started crying myself because when you see fighters give everything they've got, they put it all on the line for 15 whole minutes or 25 whole minutes, whatever it is. And then they just burst out in just all that emotion, the pent up anger, the anxiety, just the love of everything you do when you're done with that and you get the dub and it, it comes out like that. What a cool moment for Martinez, man. And I, and I apologize guys. I'm probably going to have to get back out of here. I'm glad I got to stop in and say hello Thank you guys so much for letting me hop on. Dave, thank you so much for pulling duty. Jonathan Brown McCon, my guy, my man, looking fucking fantastic as always. So keep doing you, buddy. I do want to give a quick shout out, and I know you guys are going to go down everything. Shout out to my boy Joshua Friend getting the submission on the prelim card today. Second round, got the finish over a talented Dutch kickboxer. But uh, Jonathan Friend was, I believe, the first interview I ever did as a uh, MMA analyst, correspondent, whatever you want to call us. Um, so that was really cool. Got to talk to him quite a bit. Just want to give a shout-out to Josh for him. Shout-out to Fight Bananas. Shout-out to Dave. Thank you guys so much, and uh, I will catch you guys later. You're the best, Blake. We'll talk to you soon, man. Take care, brother. Wake later, bro. See ya. All right, John. So we're going back. Um, so let's kind of talk about that. And, and, and Jonathan, I think, you know, this, so SD Dumas is a Pensacola is an Island fights guy is an icon guy. I've interviewed him five times. I've, I've commentated his fights. You ready for this? Me and SD commentated in the Island fights together. We did a poll duty, him and uh, Brock Weaver were helping commentate me and we we're doing some stuff. So I know SD a lot. Um, dude, he was in great shape. He felt good. I've seen his socials. He said no excuses at all. He just, it was a first time being in the UFC. Uh, Frem was tough. So I knew that going into the fight and I thought it was going to go longer than what people thought. I thought ST was going to get him in the later rounds, but, uh, Frem just kind of just kept on. I, I felt like he was more the aggressor. Uh, he was definitely with those takedowns. A couple takedowns looked really good against ST and yeah, you got to give him credit where credit's due. He got the win and that was a slick submission and sd was like you could see he did not like it at all and tapped pretty quickly there yeah very similar to the john jones uh submission where the guillotine yeah, from yeah, the top yeah. almost in that mounted position it was yeah. and it, the thing is the tap came quickly too right it's like it almost seemed like right when it gets synced in those guys don't want to be in that position at all so yeah um very good submission by him but like so you said uh sd just looked really raw tonight it seemed like he was over swinging or a little bit overzealous on a lot of his strikes and left himself open to a couple of shots um, that Fremd was able to land. And like you said, with the takedowns and able to just really controlling him and some of those calf kicks as well, I felt gave him yeah. some trouble. Like I felt like those early S uh, early calf kicks uh, by Fremd did a really good job of just throwing off the game plan uh, of SD. So I think these are one of the fights that maybe you have to kind of just reevaluate a little bit, um, slow thing down or let the fight slow down a little bit to you. Maybe when you, like you said, you step into the UFC for the first time, you have the pre-fight jitters, or jitters, you have the pre-octagon jitters, you're in the biggest promotion of the world, 
it's natural to get nervous. Things are moving at a million miles per hour. In his next fight, things will slow down. He'll mature. He'll have matured a little bit from this fight, and hopefully, he'll have learned to take away and grow a little bit. So, um, you know, great fight, my friend. I think SD did show some potential tonight, um, yep. and hopefully, we'll see him moving forward. There we go. Two more things, and then maybe one last thing. I'm a Rob or anything kind of like close and put a bow on the night, guys. Uh, two more fights I want to get into. Uh, we'll kind of save the last, the best for last, I think. Let's go with uh, Lipsky, the 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 queen of violence, Arena Lipsky, a big underdog. J.J. Aldrich uh, defeated one of my best friends, Jillian the Savage Robertson, who's under the Fight Bananas banner. Um, you know, I thought J.J.'s really, really good fighter, beautiful jab. I expected her to win this fight. Just Irina beat her everywhere again. Stand-up beat J.J., took her down. Uh, every little transition, every little thing of that nature. Um, I definitely think Irina was the winner of this fight. Definitely get, deserves it. Just one of these nights of, like, not just the underdogs winning. Um, they just... Jonathan Martinez and Marab and Irene, like these guys just like shined in these moments and deserved the win. It wasn't a robbery by any nature, a uh, great victory by her. She's just moving up. And that's a, you know, it's a, it's not a bad loss for JJ Aldrich, but um, you definitely thought she was past that level. If that makes sense. You thought JJ was in top 10, top 15 level. And um, Irina takes that spot. Yeah. Irina Lipsky had a great performance. Um, like you said, to your point, we also saw a little bit of growth from her from her last couple fights because, you know, obviously she wants to keep the fight the, the fight on the feet. And for her, she stuffed, I think, all of the takedowns um, yeah. tonight, and she was able to keep it in the feet. And once J.J. Aldrich wanted to get close to the takedowns, the knees to the pot, the body played a really big factor. So she did a really good job with that. Once Aldrich knew she couldn't really take it down, the way that Ariane Lipsky threw in combinations, finishing with different punches at every combination was absolutely beautiful. Like she had her hurt at the end of the first round. She had clipped uh, Aldridge at the end of the first round, had her hurt. So this was another, you know, this was kind of two different things going on at the same time. Like you said, not a great performance by a performer or an athlete in JJ Aldridge that has performed at a higher level before. And then you also see the growth of Ariane Lipsky come in tonight be able to stuff all those takedowns, keep the fight on the feet. In the in-between, right, and where you're defending that takedown, getting strikes in that in-between position where you can just be maybe losing because the opponent looks like they're controlling you. So I felt like Lipsky showed a lot of growth tonight, and I felt like um, she just showed out. It was, like you said, the underdogs showed out tonight. They did. They did. Um, last one on UFC Las Vegas, Davey fucking Grant. Insane fight. Uh, points taken away, grabbing the cage, spinning back fist, and Rafael Asuncao retiring from the sport after this fight. Uh, just a crazy fight, crazy moment, even into the retirement. Just 15 minutes of complete chaos. Love this fight. Um, so I'm watching with a buddy here at the house, and I said it. Rafael Asuncao is better to me than Davy Grant almost everywhere. But Davy Grant throws with complete violence and just with ill intent. Every he's a wild man. Throws, yeah, he's just like he's fucking dangerous and violent. Um, hats off, Davy Grant. What a win for him. And I wish nothing but the best to Asensio. Had some great, great MMA moments. Um, you know, I think he's got like 16, 17 wins in the UFC. It's so hard to win one. Like the best regional fighters go to the UFC like an SD Dumez and doesn't get the job done in this first time. It's hard to get one. Rafael's got 17 UFC wins, so nothing but, uh, you know, tip of the hat to him. But uh, Davey fucking Grant. Yeah, dude, what a – let's just fast forward to the third round because that's really <laughs> where the action kind of started, right? Let's just get to the third round. Um, Asensio, it was kind of almost like a meme. Like he got hit with like a spinning attack or a kick. He gave him the thumbs up, <laughs> and then Davey Grant rocked him, you know, got on top. It was like a scramble situation, reversed – Got the reverse triangle locked in and was able to get the submission. Before that, right, let's just rewind a little bit. Earlier in that third round, David Grant got a point taken away for grabbing the fence. Now, here is where the, some of the controversy comes in. Now, Asensio was not able to keep the position because David Grant used, lost the point from grabbing the fence. That played into Gaby Grant's uh, benefit because he was able to escape the position from Asensio. And Asensio kind of was not really screwed, but in a way he was because he had that position. Davey used yeah. that fence to kind of, you know, allowed himself to stay up. And then Asensio really was working for that position for a while. He lost that hard work, got knocked out on the feet after giving the thumbs up. But, man, what an absolutely wild fight. These are one of the fights where it was like, man, wild one, round one, round two, 
oh, you know, it's a good competitive fight. Round three, holy shit. Like, that yeah. was fucking crazy. It's so funny you said that because L. Dawson does a lot of stuff for us for Fight Bananas on Ben and Bananas every Wednesday night around 9.15 here. Um, she said that right away. I saw her. She tweeted. She goes, why would the jo- – I would rather – she's like, I don't care about the point. I want the the, the where I was at. One, Rafael could have ended the fight or he was probably already winning the fight. He didn't need the point. He needed not to get knocked out in the third round or, you know, or get submitted. So why, it's so wild that the judge would take a point away. I know that's super, super important. Put him back where, where they were. Hey, Rafael, you're on top against the cage. You kind of are – he had him wrapped around and he was grabbing himself up. So uh, L. Dawson nailed that. You nailed that as well, Jonathan. Um, insane. Uh, just a crazy, crazy moment. Um, all right. Let's put a bow on UFC Las Vegas. Let's give Marab one more love. And then if you have five, ten more minutes, uh, Jonathan, there's two more things I want to talk about. Uh, we're an MMA podcast. We Yes, the UFC is uh, usually the New York Yankees. But uh, our guy, Impus Kasanganai, for the PFL last night, and even Benson Henderson lost and retired from the MMA scene. So I just want to give those two guys some love if you got five minutes. But let's wrap a bow. UFC Las Vegas. Um, this was the Marab, the Machines night. Nothing but the best. He deserves a humongous fight ahead of him. Um, any last words about Marab? Yeah, Marab, like you said, absolutely phenomenal. Just insane amount of pressure, insane amount of volume that he was able to put on from top to bottom. I do want to give a personal shout out to Carlson Harris, the only uh, Guyanese fighter to fight in the UFC, you know, so repping the hometown country over there. Appreciate you, Carlson, getting that dub. Uh, But as far as Marab goes, just absolutely dominant fight. And this night overall is why you watch all of the fight nights because it was absolutely top to bottom, a phenomenal fight card. Yeah, it was. I'm telling Minutes in the cage was better than UFC uh, with the 285 with John Jones. Just an incredible card. Um, all right, guys. Yeah, five minutes, guys. Uh, last night, PFL Challenger Series. Uh, I, I've been to six of the seven so far. Missed last night, me personally. But Fight Finance was in the building. Jonathan was in the building. Our guy, Impa Kansaga, and I have been talking with Impa for four or five years for uh, numerous events. I was talking with Impa when he was fighting on the regional scene at for Island Fights three, four years ago, gets a PFL contract. How was it being there live, and uh, how great did Impa look? Impa looked absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, this was a new weight division for him. He was moving up to 205, previously fighting at 185, and even before that at 170. So this was something that was a little bit new to him, and his opponent was actually very, you know, credentialed, a champion in other organizations. Uh, Yes, exactly. Really well, you know, big guy. But what Impa was able to show was just the speed advantage that he brings to 205 and maybe the power that not cutting down quite as much that he brings. Postman Delano Taylor talked about the power that he's bringing now that he's not cutting down. And he showed that tonight. It was a three-punch combination, uh, a left hook, right hook, left hook, or right, left, right. Was able to knock him down with that final right hook, get the two-punch just to ground and pound. Uh, but he looked absolutely phenomenal. And I'm very curious, you know, how he's going to shake up this 205 division for the PFL, because now you have a couple of different interesting names, a couple of former UFC guys in here uh, as well, right? A couple of UFC 85ers that are coming up yeah. to fight up here at 205. And so we're seeing that a couple of times here in the PFL, a couple of 85ers moving up to 205. Uh, but it's a very exciting division. Impa showed out tonight. He had a great performance. Uh, looked pretty for, looked pretty flawless the way he moved as a 205er. Yeah, uh, awesome. I cannot wait to see him. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to make some moves in that division because I know Tiago Santos is moving over. I know Wilkinson's the defending champ. Uh, Impa can get numerous of wins this year. I think he's going to win multiple fights in the PFL uh, season in 2023. All right, guys, Bellator had an event last night. Uh, MVP had a nasty leg kick to end a fight to a knee. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. It's everywhere. But I do want to give Benson Henderson his flowers. Someone I remember literally watching him on WEC on Fuel TV 15, 18 years ago. Uh, Everyone shows Anthony Pettis doing that kick. Uh, Who Anthony Pettis kicked off that wall was Benson Henderson. Won the UFC championship. Has fought for Bellator's lightweight and welterweight championships. Just an all-time great. Just been in the business for 15 years. Um, his wife now fights for Bellator. Just a an all-around um, a credit to mixed martial arts. Just a um, you know positive light. And he's now moving on. He's retiring from MMA after that loss to uh, Nurmagomedov. And two minutes, John. What do you think about Benson Henderson? Yeah, he was one of those guys where I really didn't get to catch much of his career until the tail end, right? So um, it was one of those things where now watching him, it was really trying to see what he brought to the cage deal. But watching his earlier fights, we know I was going back 
and kind of watching his career, he was just a guy that was very exciting. I mean, the moment that everybody thinks about is having a toothpick in your mouth when you're fighting inside of an octagon. So, you know, for him to do things like that, like you said, he brought a really good light to the UFC. He was always fighting top-ranked contenders, whether it was U or UFC, Bellator, WEC, always fighting top-ranked contenders. And just one of those guys that no matter where or no matter what period of time it was, he kept himself relevant. He was always in the picture, and he was always you know, there. Even at 39 years old and as being in the game this long, he was able to keep his wear and thaw. You know, a lot of fighters, like you say, lose their chin. He kept himself durable. He kept himself able to fight this long at a high level. And to his career, man, what a respect to him. Obviously, championships at multiple levels. Um, hopefully, he has a great retirement. And I'm curious to see what the next chapter is for him. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think uh, he's definitely going to stay around the MMA scene. Like I said, his wife now fights for Bellator. I would, I think he's going to be on the desk, on the analyst desk for Bellator. I think he'll definitely be around. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you haven't seen Benson fight, like um, he was a little bit of a little bit of a Kobe Covington factor, a little bit of a uh, like a like a Marab, just a, an insane cardio pace. Was always grappling, was always wrestling, had great leg kicks, insane leg kicks early in the year before it was cool to kick legs. Just an over, overall great uh, MMA fighter and was a UFC champion in those lightweights during those years when they were – those weight classes were insane. Just literally every guy's a Hall of Famer now. Um, yeah, just nothing but the best of Benson Henderson. So there we go. Benson Henderson, Ipa Kasanganai, Marab, Alex and their Volkov. We talked about Anthony Smith. I think we did it all, Jonathan. We did it. We got it all covered, man. We covered the entire weekend of, uh, of MMA. What a weekend it was. Yeah, not bad. Um, next weekend, next Friday, uh, I, I would assume both of us will be in the building the last week of the PFL Challenger Series, week eight, the comeback. Uh, we'll see numerous of fighters who won uh, during the season. They'll be back fighting on Friday. Cannot wait. I'll be there live. A uh, lot of stuff coming to Fight Bananas this week. Like I said, Ben and Bananas Wednesday night. Uh, Maddie Levine show peel back with Maddie Levine. That's Wednesday night as well. She's actually got a really, really big time guest uh, tomorrow night. Spoiler alert. He's a badass from Boston. Uh, he likes to throw big, heavy punches. A little bit of a spoiler. If you know, you know. Uh, also, I got Grant Dawson coming on the podcast Monday morning. That'll be out Monday. Jillian the Savage Robertson and Mike Cuddles. That'll be back. That's going to be on Thursday stacked like look at the light we're just stacked we got shows every day it's like we're like espn over here you guys keep it going there's no stopping the machine of the fight bananas that's very true but we can't do it without you guys appreciate you very much uh jonathan we'll uh talk to you soon dude you and blake are absolutely killing this uh post fight show and blake couldn't do it uh i had to jump in i had to kind of do my thing to keep this train going because uh each week it just keeps on building more and more. We I see the numbers. I'm behind the scenes and analytical. Uh, we're seeing the podcast numbers. We're seeing the views. Uh, it's awesome. Each week it just keeps going like that. I love seeing it. So uh, cannot wait to see where we're at a month from now, a year from now. So uh, keep on killing it, my man. Appreciate you having us on, man. You give us the platform and we just try to deliver. Appreciate you. You're delivering. You're like D-Wade. You're the D-Wade of Fight Bananas. That's, you give me too much credit, man. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good night. Be safe out there. Have fun. It's bike week here in Florida. So uh, everyone be out there. Have fun. And we'll talk to everyone soon. UFC Las Vegas officially in the books. Um, hats off to Marab. See you guys later.